Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 6, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley has... Matt. Um, what, uh, what did you see last <laughs> night? Something for the blue Alabama sky something? Yeah, blues for Alabama sky. That's right. I have one like letter off. So uh, is that open? Are you allowed to discuss your thoughts on that yet? That is open. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, It was a little bit more predictable than I was hoping, but uh, acting was great. Set design was great. Direction was great. So overall, I enjoyed it. And then I saw um, all the Natalie Portmans uh, for the matinee. It was a two-show day. It was a very tiring two-show day. How was all the Natalie Portmans? I'm so sad I missed that one. Yeah, it was great. Carrie Young was amazing. I saw her in Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven as well, which is kind of similar characters, so I hope she doesn't get typecast in the future. Yeah. But I thought it was a really strong piece and uh, surprisingly pretty full for a matinee performance, too. So that was very exciting to see. I think they well, play through the end of the month and then they have like specialized months, so... March 14th, maybe, my I think, is uh, Queer Theater Night, so that does my heart good. Absolutely. I, I know actors will disagree, but I always say it's better to be typecast than not cast. So. That's very fair, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, don't think, uh, I honestly one, don't think they would disagree with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, real quick, before we get into the news proper, the new musical Diana, which you already forgot had started performances, uh, actually yeah. can't... <laughs> it actually canceled its Thursday night show because Aaron Davey, who plays Camilla Parker Bowles, apparently suffered a vocal injury. Um, I heard oh, some no. fr- from some folks who were in the audience on Wednesday night and said she sounded fine. So not exactly sure what happened there. They are planning to resume performances on Friday. Tessa Alves and Holly Ann Butler are both listed as understudies for the role. So I don't know if maybe a day off I will. About, I was just about to ask if. I guess severe enough for they're not prepared enough to to step no. into the role. Yeah, I mean it's only been in performances for right. like three days, so right. they're not ready. So I don't know if the day off means that Aaron will be back on Friday, or if one of the understudies got a real quick run, uh, you know, day and a half, two days of rehearsals. But um, slam it down. Yeah, so they are they're going on with that. But uh, one more thing before we get into the news, Ashley, don't forget to head over to Patreon.com/slash Broadway Radio Broadway Radio.com/slash Patreon. I will have a an early sneak peek. Of my next Tell Me More with the great Janet to call. Uh, that'll be coming Ooh, out on Friday. Nice. And then it'll be in the main feed on Saturday. She is currently on tour with the um, the first national tour of the band's visit. And she also has a new album out that is really fantastic. I highly, highly recommend mm. it. It's called Janet to Call My Standards. Uh, it is her doing a lot of what is considered, you know, songs from the Great American Songbook, mm-hmm. but infusing it with the Cuban beats that she grew up listening to in her home. So it's really great. Everything from It Don't Mean a Thing to My Funny Valentine to I Got Rhythm to Moon Dance. Um, really, really great stuff. I love the album and I love talking to her. So that'll be in the Patreon feed early on uh, Friday at some point and then in the regular feed on Saturday. But all right, Ashley, let's get into the news. And the biggest story from Thursday was the opening of Girl from the North Country on Broadway at the Belasco Theater. This, of course, is a show with a book and direction by Connor McPherson that features music and lyrics by Bob Dylan. They aren't necessarily songs. Uh, they don't all necessarily sound like the versions 
that you know um, that from Bob Dylan singing. Right. Simon Hale did the orchestrations and arranging. The cast is really fantastic. Um, I'm just going to run through some of the names um, alphabetically here. Todd Almond, Caitlin Houlihan, Mark Kudish, Luba Mason, Colton Ryan, J.O. Sanders, uh, Austin Scott, uh, Kimber Elaine Sprawl, Mar uh, Winningham, and more. It's a really fantastic cast. Uh, and Ashley, we were worried about how the box office was doing for Girl from the North Country and said yeah. it would need to get pretty stellar reviews to pick up its pace and to have a shot at the Tony Awards. And Ashley, it got those reviews. Uh, um, let's start off with Ben Brantley from the New York Times. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on his because he reviewed the off-Broadway production and his reviews, despite a few changes in the in the script and a few casting changes, was pretty much the same. Both times... It was a critic's pick. In his Broadway review, he wrote, quote, Yet, while this singular production, which opened on Thursday night at the Belasco Theater under McPherson's luminous direction, evokes the Great Depression with uncompromising bleakness, it is ultimately the opposite of depressing. That's because McPherson hears America singing in the dark, and those voices light up the night with the radiance of divine grace. That is a very well-written paragraph, mm. and I am sure that it will be all over the uh, marketing materials yeah, for Girl from the North Country. Yes. <laughs> yes. But he was not the only one that loved this production, actually. David Rooney from The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, No disrespect to Bob Dylan, one of the greatest songwriters in modern American music, but hearing his tunes sung by the melodious voices in Girl from the North Country is a revelation. The second time even more than the first, referring to the off-Broadway production. This brilliantly conceived project from Irish writer-director Connor McPherson could be called the anti-jukebox music. Musical. Rather than being forcibly wedged into the narrative, the songs are used with imagination and a sweeping amplitude of feeling to deepen the mood, enrich the characters, and liberate their inner voices. The result is a rapturous act of theatrical storytelling. Pull quote alert right there as well. Alexis Salaski, writing for The Guardian, gave the show four out of five stars and wrote, quote, Overstuffed, often hollow, and for all of that, incontestably ravishing girl from the north country connor mcpherson's depression era gloss on bob dylan's back pages makes its wind-blown way to broadway now there were some dissenters generally not from the bigger publications so i don't know how much impact they will have but david cody this time writing for theater news online said quote my takeaway when girl from the north country opened at the public theater last fall an american musical by people who hate musicals and don't know america Ooh. sounds harsh but I stand by it. Not but, a pull quote. <laughs> no, 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 no. But Matt Winman from AM New York also loved it. Kitchen sink drama is beautifully intermixed with approximately 20 Bob Dylan songs in Girl from the North Country, a haunting, mysterious, and stunning new musical written and directed by Irish playwright Connor McPherson and set in Duluth, Minnesota, Dylan's hometown during the Depression. So, Ashley, I had said here the word of mouth uh, coming out of the the previews was not great, right. but of course I, I'm generally reflecting that what's on the Broadway World's Message Board, which is only a certain um, segment of the population. Sure. And I said I said going in that this was my thought for what would be the best musical, but that kind of tempered that. With these reviews now, I think this is now back in front runner status in my mind mm. for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Yeah, it's a tough category overall because we're so revival heavy this year and the most anticipated productions are revivals. I think it's going to depend on, you know, what Mrs. Doubtfire looks like, I guess, if the 
uh, critic or the critics and voters are still holding on to Moulin Rouge, which obviously opened at such a mm. weird time in the season back in what July. Uh, yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, so I mean, you will definitely see that these are obviously great reviews. I have discussed at least some of my qualms with it. I will see it while it's on Broadway, which I kind of intended to do, but wasn't quite certain of. Still not exactly excited about it i I mean Mm. for all of it it sounds stunning and it looks stunning mcpherson's direction and simon hale's orchestrations are indeed incredible i'm hoping a return to it will make me like the book a little more than i did or at the very least remember it because i don't remember a lot about the stage (laughs) at all see see you could just be like me and not remember anything ever i don't remember anything I don't remember anything about any show, like, you know, specifics. I remember what I thought about it. Like, I like I remember the feelings I got from it. Does that make sense? Like, I don't remember yeah. details. Sure. Like, when I used to review a lot, I took copious notes, and then I could never read half of them because I was writing in the dark. But I remember what Amateur. I thought of performances, what I thought of the shows, how they made me feel. But details, pfft, nothing. I mean, I remember nothing about the plot of this musical. Okay, Not- fair a thing so I mean, okay. it's been a while it's been three year. or four yeah. years since i went to london to see it uh and i don't know what's changed if a lot has changed between the london productions and the new york productions so i'm excited to see it's interesting to hear uh, uh Solosky say that it's overstuffed because that's usually the problem that jukebox <laughs> musicals have so no but exception she said it in to a the good rule thing. here huh it, but she said it in a show that she loved. So right. That's no, very absolutely. And, you know, occasionally love jukebox musicals, too. <laughs> yeah, very, absolutely. very few and far between. But yeah, that's all right. All right, Ashley, real quick before we get back into the news, I want to make sure that we are thanking our sponsor for this week, ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about all of the benefits of using a VPN from safety and security to online privacy to being able to cloak where it appears that you are coming from online. So now that you know that you should have a VPN, there really is only one option, and that is ExpressVPN. It's incredibly fast, there's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream everything in high definition. Also, you don't have to compromise on what devices you watch whatever streaming video you're going to watch. You can do it with ExpressVPN on phones, smart TVs, video game systems, wherever you would normally watch your video. If you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Broadway, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free, support our show on Broadway radio, watch whatever you want, and protect yourself online at expressvpn.com slash Broadway. All right, Ashley. Now... Some of those reviews, I think, were kind of expected Mm -hmm. based off of the previous reviews off-Broadway, but they were actually better, I think, than the off-Broadway reviews. This news, This news, not expected. Um, Yesterday, we learned the almost all of the casting for the upcoming Broadway Center Stage concert presentation of Bye Bye Birdie at the Kennedy Center, and it will star the man who, when I think of musical theater, I first think of James Vanderbeek, of course, as Albert. Um, it'll also star stage and screen star Carly Hughes as Rose, Mallory Bechtel from Dear Evan Hansen as Kim, Anne Harada and Reg Rogers as Mr. and Mrs. McAfee, Caitlin Kinnanen as Ursula, and the part that I want to talk to you about, 
Harvey Firestein <laughs> as bet. Albert's mother, yeah. May. Now, the show, which is being directed by Mark Bruni, is set to run in Washington, D.C., just from April 23rd through the 28th. Now, um, our friend David Levy, or my friend, I think he's a friend of yours yeah. as well, yeah. um, he posted something on Twitter yesterday that I've thought about a lot. And it Likewise. was basically to the effect of... He loves Harvey Firestein. Everybody loves Harvey. You can't yep. not love Harvey Firestein and be in right. the theater. But with so few roles written for women of a certain age, is it really appropriate for a man to be playing one of those roles? Uh, granted, granted, this is a five day run. They're going to try to, you know, make it a big event, and Harvey makes things big events. So right. I understand that. He did win a Tony in a role written for a man playing a woman. So I don't mm -hmm. consider Hairspray part of this. That was always written to be played by a man, as is Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. Right. But we've panto. seen. Yeah, we've seen some men play Dolly and Hello Dolly with uh, Leroy Reams. We've seen uh, different men play Miss Hannigan and Annie. It just seems like those roles should be played by women because. Rules for women in general in the theater are hard to come by. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've been thinking about all day, and that's exactly what I was going to say. There's a massive difference between Panto and what this is. I love Harvey. He's one of my idols. I was willing to excuse it in Bella Bella because, you know, he was friends with the subject. He was playing, and uh, he, paying homage. And he I, wrote it. And you he know, wrote it's it. also different when you write a material for yourself than when yes. you take a role that was written for a woman. And do it as a man. Exactly. I think when you're uh, you're getting to the point, you being casting directors, where you're converting all the roles for older female actors into drag roles, and you're neglecting your older female actors, and God knows there's enough of that to go around already. Yeah, I would be fine with this if we saw the converse. You know, if we saw yes, women exactly. getting to play male roles more often. And we have seen a little bit of that, but yes, not so. nearly in the numbers. Um, I mean, we just talked about Ruth Nega playing Hamlet. We've seen Glenda Jackson playing Lear. But those are generally in classical pieces. We don't see it in big budget musicals very often. Um, right. You know, the one, the only one that really comes to mind is Drood. And that is, again, a role written for a woman to play a man. Um, yet second Hedwig. But that's also... again. That's written into that's written into right. the script, and right. that's all there. But they do have a chance to change this because they have not yet announced the person who will be playing Conrad Birdie. We'll see. If if they cast a a woman in that role, um, I can excuse it a little bit more. Someone on Twitter suggested. Um, uh, from uh, Fun Home, uh, Roberta Colandra. But if they did something like that, I could understand it. But otherwise. Uh, you know, it seems unnecessary. I think for a concert for five days, it's 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 okay. But I mean, for larger productions, I think we need to cut mm -hmm. it out. As you said, if the converse is happening and women are getting male roles as often as men are getting female roles, then we can talk. But that's not what's happening. Well, and women generally aren't getting you know roles in general roles written for them, especially older <laughs> women. I do think it's interesting. The more that I think about this, I think it happens far more for women in plays and far more for men in musicals. I oh, wonder why sure. that is. Because you think of not only those classics, but we've seen Helen Hunt play the stage manager in Our Town, mm -hmm. things like that. Like, But it generally, I can only think of it happening for men 
playing female roles in musicals. And I wonder if that's because musical theater is Again, I, yeah. often much better roles for women than straight plays do. But I, the, I don't know. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. I, me saying that women don't get a lot of roles, obviously that's not the case in like the big musical roles in history. And again, I think men tend to get those kind of comic roles because it's the history of Panto. So especially if something's being written by a British playwright, like you have a Matilda uh then you're gonna see more panto on the stage in musicals i mean even mrs doubtfire coming up oh that's a whole other story but all right let's get into the rest of this news and let people go into their weekends ashley it was announced yesterday that andrew lloyd Webber's new take on cinderella will be pushing back its opening date by six weeks due to concerns over the coronavirus the show will begin performances on october 9th and open on the 28th tickets go on sale a week from today Moving off Broadway, Manhattan Theater Club announced yesterday the cast for Quine Wynn's uh, new play, Poor Yellow Rednecks, under the direction of May Adralis, Tim Chewy, uh, Samantha Kwan, Maureen Sebastian, Paco Tolson, and Eugene Young will lead the show that will begin performances on May 12th. We also learned yesterday that Hadestown is launching an education initiative in which New York City public school students can attend the show with school groups at a small cost according to top uh, according to broadway news quote under the initiative students will attend regular performances in groups of varying sizes and will be offered post-show talkbacks with members of the hades town cast and creative team educators will also receive materials to the musical including a study guide this seems Ooh, i love perfect. that yeah this seems perfect for for hades town in a lot of ways yeah. and obviously joining along with hamilton and to kill a mockingbird with these special programs we are very very in favor of that but lastly, we learned on Thursday that Jason Danielly and Hannah Ellis will lead the world premiere of the new Aaron's and Flaherty musical Knoxville at the Oslo Rep uh, Theater down here in Florida in Sarasota. The show, which is based on James Agee's uh, Pulitzer Prize winning autobiographical novel, A Death in the Family, will run from April 3rd through the 25th. And guess who has two thumbs is talking into a microphone and bought a ticket on Thursday. <laughs> I was just about to ask as soon as I saw Sarasota. I'm like, oh, I bet uh, Mr. Matt Tamanini has managed to secure a ticket at the very I, least. Yeah, I didn't want to risk um, trying to get press tickets, I, which oh, I, yeah. I've never asked them before. I don't know anyone in Oslo. But I figured Jason Danielly, Hannah Ellis, New Aaron's and Flaherty musical, I've got to make the two-hour drive. Absolutely. So I'm going to go see it in, in uh, mid-April. So very excited about that. Maybe get some Tell Me More in there, too. Could be. Could be. Uh, there's actually a new musical opening in Miami based on the life of Louis Armstrong that will have uh, some Tell Me More stuff going on after I see that in March as well. So fun stuff going Killing on. Killing it. Killing it. Yeah killing it uh all right that is all that we have for this week thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley and at the bernard b jacobs <laughs> and the jacobs yeah you got another one <laughs> We're on saturday, on saturday. Right? yay <laughs> all right very good also head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio and don't forget to help out our sponsor expressvpn go to expressvpn com slash Broadway support us and make yourself safe online. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>